a stu- stu- Studio D production. Like Grandpa kind of scared said. us a little. Grandpa <laughs> said Stealth Blader or something like that. <laughs> sounds like, um, I don't know, like a name for a serial killer or something. Stealth Blade. Stealth Blade. <laughs> <laughs> or a super villain. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to name our serial killers cool names like no. that because then more people will want to be serial killers so they get cool names. Yeah. Let's just start naming them little baby bitch. <laughs> <laughs> little baby bitch. Poopy face asshole. The little baby bitch killer has struck again. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It would be spelled with a W. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whittle baby. <laughs> Whittle baby bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Sit down, I want to tell you a story, a really weird and messed up story, with murdering ghosts and gobbly ghouls, it's all really fucked up, so don't you be fooled, it's effed up family story time. <laughs> I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Effed Up Family Storytime. I'm Salem. And I'm Hannah. And with us today, we have Kelly. Hey! And Belle. What's up? Yayo. How's everyone doing? Good. Good. Just got back from vacation. Woot woot. That's pretty cool. I was in Maine for nine days in the middle of nowhere. Kyle's family has a cottage. It's like out in the woods. awesome it's spooky out there i spent a lot of time listening to spooky podcasts and freaking myself out in the woods did you have any paranormal experiences it was was not really paranormal but it was like crazy wildlife spook did you see squatch um no but kyle and i went (laughs) squatch hunting we went cryptid hunting the first night we were there we just like walked around in the woods and it was like pretty spooky but it was like the second or third night that we were there and we were out there with some of Kyle's family. It was his uncle and his cousin. And we were all watching um, like this like British crime drama until like 1130 at night. One time we like watched a couple episodes and then we all were like, OK, like we're, we're turning it off. We're, we're, you know, going. Oh, but I should say before. So Kyle's cousin um, what, told us this story when she was out with um, Kyle's other cousins. And then one of her friends, they heard like a screeching owl. And she told us all of this story about how like they went to go like find the screeching owl, about how it like sounded like horrible like they just heard it out at night in the woods you know and it was like just like this like horrifying scream kind of thing <laughs> she told us that story that day and then that night we were watching the british crime show we turn it off it's like eleven thirty, and as soon as we turn it off we just hear this like screaming coming from the woods and like d had said that it was like the owl but like worse <sighs> like it wasn't <laughs> like you know we were like what the fuck was that like what is happening and so um Kyle's uncle stayed behind, but D, Kyle, and I all went out. And I actually have a video of it. It's pretty spooky. Because we were, like, looking. We, like, had a flashlight. And we didn't go past the driveway, you know. We were kind of like, mm, I don't I don't yeah. necessarily want to go out there. And the the house is, like, it's thick foliage, so you can't really see anybody's house. But they're they're pretty close to it's each other. Foliage. Like on foliage. <laughs> It's foliage. I know. March Simpson oh, says that oh. it's foliage. I thought that I said it wrong. Anyway, me. no, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go okay. Ahead. No, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so like the houses are like next to each other and they're kind of close, but you feel like you're out in the middle of nowhere, uh-huh. you know, and like the driveway, Kyle's neighbor, like the neighbor of the cottage, like they share a driveway 
and their driveway is kind of like blocked off and it has like a little like reflective tape on it. And so we're out there and I'm recording on my phone and I um, have the light on and I saw it looked like eyes, but I talked myself out of it because I was like, that's right next to the neighbor's driveway. I was like, it has to be part of their driveway that they have roped off. And I was like, it was like two little pinpricks like reflecting back at me. And I had talked myself out of it, but then they moved. And I was like, no, those were eyes. Oh like, my God. <laughs> I got it on video. I can show you guys at the break, but like we didn't hear the screaming again. And Kyle looked it up, and he thinks it was a screaming water cat, which is like this like weasel thing. They like fish, you know, and it's like right on the lake. And it makes sense because the night before, Kyle had heard like splashing in the water and then like oh. hissing. And it was like he was like thought that maybe it was a fox, but they never really come out that close to the lake. Mm-hmm. And like after hearing the screaming, and Kyle just like did a Google search, like what animals in Maine scream. <laughs> and like that was one of them that came up and it i mean it, i only saw the eyes but they were close enough together it could have been a little weaselly thing it Aww. was crazy we like heard the scream like four times it was just like <sighs> like this like horrifying scream fox scream too but yeah it didn't well when we looked up like a bunch of like video clips it didn't sound like a fox it didn't sound like the owl the closest that it sounded to was the screaming water water cat so i think that that's what we heard so creepy i think that that's what kyle heard at the lake because he was like laying on a hammock out right next to the water and like heard behind him like this rustling and this splashing (laughs) and then it was the hissing that sent him running inside terrified (laughs) (laughs) I would just have flashes of sage. Like, get me the fuck out of here. No, she's going to get me. <laughs> Can I tell a similar, shorter, probably not as cool story? Yeah, really no, fast? totally. <laughs> so last weekend we went camping and we went camping on the like hip camp, which is basically a website, Airbnb for campsites. Oh, so nice. like, it's not like a actual campsite it's like someone has property and they're like sure you can come and set up a tent on my property (laughs) so we did that and it was actually really really great but so there's no like people around because you're just out in the middle of the woods on someone's property Uh and so in the middle of the night I um hear this like rustling at what it sounds like to me is like someone walking and like on the the ground and like the kind of twigs breaking sort of thing it really sounded like footsteps and so like I snap awake it's three o'clock in the morning and I'm like who's walking out there? Like we're in the middle of nowhere. There's no campsite. Like no one should be out there. And I'm freaking out. And then of course my brain settles and I realize it's not like human footsteps, but it's an animal out there. And I hear it like move and rustle. And then I proceeded to spend the next hour and a half sitting up in the tent (laughs) while Matt was sleeping, holding onto my pillow and listening to this animal that was like right outside our tent. And I was like, in my head, I was like, is it a mountain lion? Is it a bear? And I was like, ready for it to come at me. And um, what I what I was hearing that was so creepy was it like crunching on like a twig. It sounded like big old Thor dog chewing on a stick and you know how you can hear his like teeth like run along a uh-huh. stick and you can hear that sound it's it was so distinctly that sound and so i'm certain that's what it was i decided it probably was a coyote uh-huh but so i'm sitting up in the tent and i'm hearing these rustles and i'm freaking out and then all of a sudden i hear this really loud rustle like right by the tent and i grab matt <laughs> and he like wakes up and he's like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> and um and so, like, I tell him, like, it was really close to the tent that time. He was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. So then <laughs> I, I realized pretty much immediately as he's, like, starting to fall back asleep 
that my water bottle had like fallen over <laughs> and, and like kind of shook the corner of the tent and that was the really loud rustle that was like right by the tent oh, that's funny. and I chose not to tell Matt that until the next morning yeah <laughs> but then I still continued to hear this like what I think was a coyote just crunching on a stick or a bone or, or a bone I know but oh. I was trying to imagine it being a stick. But I was like, is it a wolf? Is it a bear? Is it a mountain lion? Like, I was convinced. I would immediately squatch. think bear. <laughs> squatch. <Is it> squatch? <laughs> Maybe it was Squatch. We no, don't have Squatch go, in Colorado. <laughs> they whoop. Whoop, whoop. Maybe it was yeah. Bigfoot. Maybe we don't have Squatch, but we might have Bigfoot. We might have Bigfoot. They don't whoop? Well, they whoop. I, I think they know. all whoop. <laughs> I don't know. I don't fucking know. Ask Dad. It's hard to know. <laughs> it's hard to know what those cryptids do. Since they're not real. All right. So uh, we're going to get into our story. And this week it's Kelly. Um, she's pretty excited to tell us. So why don't you go ahead? All right. So the story today is the history and haunting of Cheeseman Park. Yeah. Ooh. So for those of you who don't live where we live, Cheeseman Park is a pretty large park right in the center of Denver, Colorado. And it has a pretty gruesome history, too. It does. Yeah. So, so my sources... Let me find them. So I got most of my information from the from a website called Haunted Rooms America that has a bunch of different stories of different places. And they have a Cheeseman Park page. And Legends of America is another website. So hauntedrooms.com and legendsofamerica.com if you want to go digging. And then the Denver Public Library actually has a couple history like blog-like pages that Ooh. talk about the history of Denver a little. So that's cool. And then I have a couple of Denver Post articles that... Nice. Um, Talk about some specific events that have happened in more recent years. I just want to say, a park's not a room. So how can it be <laughs> haunted rooms? But we're not judging that website because it was great, Hannah. No, <laughs> no I'm just kidding. It was a dumb no, joke. Right. <laughs> I think it's cool that Cheeseman Park has like national notoriety. It's not just. Yeah, it's- yeah like it was on these... Um, Websites that collect stories of haunted places in America. And it's one of, thought to be one of the haunt, most haunted places in Denver. Oh. Every oh. time. And Colorado has a lot of haunted places. Yeah, I don't does. know about Denver yeah. specifically, but. Okay. All right. So we're going to start by talking about um, the the foundation of Denver, Colorado in November of 1858. Uh, so it was founded by General William Larimer. And there are many Larimer named things oh. in Denver. So and that's why. Named after this dude. Okay. So that makes sense. He came from Kansas and he founded Denver. So what we know. Is there a Larimer, Kansas? I think there is. Uh, there's no, a Larimer, Wyoming. I don't think there's Wyoming. a Larimer, okay. Kansas. Sorry. <laughs> so the area that we know of as the metro area now, like the whole Denver metro area, was part of Kansas territory. And right before Larimer came and founded Denver, some other guy came and founded Auraria. So there were two settlements right here in the the what we now know of as Denver, Colorado. Denver and Auraria. So if you know Denver, you know Auraria is the Auraria campus that has a couple colleges on on there. Mm-hmm. But Denver was more over by where our capital, state capital is, and like the Capitol Hill area. So, of course, like most things being founded and settled in this time period, Denver actually legally belonged to the Arapaho Indians. Mm-hmm. Sounds about white. Yep. And we all know that stealing land from all the native peoples was just what we did. Mm -hmm. So 
Larimer came into town and he just claimed this land. So I guess you could just like claim it and then it was yours. Mm-hmm. So might makes right, basically. Might makes right. Yeah, there you go. So when be he so much easier to find a house. I know. <laughs> you just walked into someone's house I'm and like, you're like, this is mine now. Get the fuck out. <laughs> I'm jumping, jumping the claim, which apparently means ignoring someone else's claim. I'm jumping the claim. Before we changed uh, Columbus Day in Colorado to Indigenous Peoples Day, I always wanted to go into someone's house on Columbus Day and be like, oh, is this India? Well, it doesn't matter. It's mine now. <laughs> <laughs> It's in honor of Columbus. I live here now and you have to leave. Yeah. <laughs> it worked back then. It worked for him. Well, yeah, because they killed him. I mean, you're going to have to be willing to kill some people if you want to get away with it. That's true. And it's She's not thinking opposed. about it. She's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so General William came to Denver, or what is now Denver. He called it Denver. He said, this is Denver. But even though it belonged to the Arapaho Indians... He settled the area and then decided we need a big-ass cemetery for this fancy new town that we're creating. So he designated 320 acres Jeez. for a cemetery and called it Mount Prospect Cemetery. That's always the first thing I think of when <laughs> I found a town is where am I going to bury all of the dead bodies that I create? Yeah. And I yeah. mean, it was like in November 1858, General William Larimer founded Denver. In November 1858, <laughs> General William Larimer created a cemetery. Like it was <laughs> top of his list That's of important things. No, he didn't even <laughs> died yet. That's weird. It is. Anyway. So a lot of people were in the area for the gold rush that had been happening, and he wanted to make this settlement into like a real like town. So yeah. anyway, so this uh, Mount Prospect Cemetery, some people call it Prospect Hill, which is just switching the order of words and using synonyms. So Mount Prospect, Prospect Hill, whatever it was, the cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it covered the area that is now Cheeseman Park, the Denver Botanic Gardens, Congress Park, and a bunch of the residential area down in that neighborhood. So 320 acres. That's a lot of land. So there's some houses that are on. There are some houses (gasps) that are on it. On On the old property. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least very close to it, depending on when they were built. They might have been right along the edge. But I'm sure there are some houses that are on it. I think there are some that are on it. If Cap Hill wasn't so expensive, I'd love to live in one of those fucking houses. (laughs) I think it, it's possible that some of the big mansions down there were there at the time that the cemetery was in operation. Yeah. Some of them might have been built on land that was the cemetery. Afterwards. Okay. But we have to find out what happened to the cemetery. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just started as, thinking poltergeist. As I, I just said, it's not a cemetery anymore. It is Cheeseman Park, Botanic Gardens, Congress Park, and then some of the areas in and between and around. Places. Some other places <laughs> and then some other things. So General Larimer's vision for this cemetery that was really important to him, apparently, was that the crest of the hill would be reserved for all of the wealthiest and most influential influential residents, while the criminals and poor people would be relegated to the edges of the cemetery. So they weren't allowed to be up on the hill. And then all of us ordinary people would just be somewhere in between. So the first person buried in the cemetery was probably this guy named Abraham Kay, who died of a lung infection in 1859. However, that's kind of boring. So we'll instead (laughs) talk about the story of the second person buried in the cemetery, who was John Stoffel. He was a Hungarian immigrant and gold prospector who shot and killed his brother-in-law, 
in April of 1859, supposedly for his gold dust. So a lot of the people that were in Denver at the time and in Auraria, it was like a mining settlement. They were going into the hills. The person who founded Auraria was actually the person who like led the Pikes Peak gold rush. So that's why everyone was there. And so the story is that John Stoffel was a Hungarian immigrant wanting some gold and he killed his own brother-in-law for like some gold dust that he had. So this is thought to be the first major crime of Denver, this murder. However, we know that they stole land from the Arapaho Indians. So that was probably the first major crime. Right. And it was the gold rush. (laughs) So it's probably likely that someone had already killed someone else. And plus Denver had been around (laughs) for six months. So even if you say you don't count anything that happened before Denver was a thing, telling me six months of Denver in a gold rush and no one else had died. Yeah. I don't know. But maybe, I don't know. Maybe I watched too many Western movies, (laughs) which I don't actually ever watch. Um, And also the first or the nearest like actual court was 600 miles away in Kansas because this was all part of like Kansas territory that hadn't been settled. So like there's no one governing these people out here. So so it's probably just a giant mess. But that's the first official major crime of Denver. And also when John Stoffel was hung for his crime for murdering his brother-in-law for gold dust, it was the first hanging of Denver. Oh, history. So then he and his <laughs> Stoffel and his brother-in-law, who he killed, were thrown into the same grave in Mount Prospect Cemetery. So they were on the outer edge, of course, because, you know, murderers and poor gold prospectors don't get to be on the influential super cool hill. How That's kind of shitty. Rude. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm sorry this dude murdered you. Be with him forever in the afterlife. Sure. grave. <laughs> and like, it sounds like there probably wasn't even a casket. It was just like, throw him in throw the him. hole. Yeah. So... We're starting off on a real nice note with this really <laughs> fancy cemetery that General Larimer was really excited about. So as time went I on. I can just picture him like creating the land for the cemetery, standing at the very top of the hill and just like proclaiming, this is where I shall be buried. <laughs> Everyone else can look up to me. <laughs> that was pretty much it. It was like, this is this is for the fancy people and all you poppers can be on the edges. He was actually buried in Leavenworth, Kansas, though. So, you know, <laughs> he already had a plot. Little piece of it, or near Leavenworth. Maybe it wasn't Leavenworth. Wherever his family homestead was in Kansas. So, so the idea that there's going to be all these rich people on the hill and all the poor people around the edge. I mean, this was eight night or 1850s, 1860s Old West. So there was a lot more of the people to be buried around the edges than yeah. there were in the middle. So there was typhoid and various shootings and hangings and other gold rush related hijinks. So the outside of the cemetery began to become more filled and people started calling it as the old boneyard or boot hill which were apparently disrespectful names and not super nice, I guess. Um, A popular professional gambler named Jack O'Neill was also murdered because everyone was murdered and and buried in the cemetery. It was the Old West. Right. And so then um, they started calling it Jack O'Neill's Ranch, which also apparently made it less like respected, I guess. So all these nicknames happening was impacting the reputation of the cemetery. Probably pissing Larimer off. Yeah, he probably didn't love it. And then also just the fact that it was like all filled with poor people, criminals, and murder victims, and not the wealthy and influential people. And in fact, the wealthy and influential people chose most often to be buried in Riverside Cemetery, which was oh. further north. 
And it was beautiful and park-like and secluded. So the sorts of things that City Cemetery was not. Incidentally, Riverside Cemetery is also where I had my senior pictures taken because that's kind of weird-ass shit I was into. <laughs> All of us, man. That's when, <laughs> when Jerome and I were married. We'd just go, like, pack food. We'd take the kids sometimes yeah. and go to the cemetery, Riverside Cemetery, yeah. and have a picnic. I remember there was one time on Easter that we went ghost hunting. And then when, you can bleep their names out, but when we still lived here, uh-huh. um, we were, like, going over to stay the night and you were like, don't tell them that we went ghost hunting on Easter. They'll get really upset because they're very Christian. <laughs> and I remember in the middle of the night, I like leaned, I rolled over and looked at people and I was like, we went ghost hunting today. And she told <laughs> Rachel. And I remember her getting so mad at us. <laughs> God. Jeez, Hannah, you can't do anything, I know. right? I told my cousin and I was like, you'll keep a secret. No, bitch. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we did all sorts of weird stuff like that. <laughs> we were weirdos. Yeah, I thought my senior pictures were actually kind of pretty. I thought they came out really we nice. We tried to be respectful and not have any like names on the tombstones in yeah. the pictures. It was just like the ambiance. They have know? really cool tombstones at Riverside. They do. In, they're like, just really yeah. old. In like, um, that one old, old section especially. Yeah. I mean, they're tall. They have the big, tall obelisks. Some of them are like 20 feet tall. Yeah, they have big angels and, and yeah. mausoleums. And all the animals. And, they have a lot yeah. of like animal structure sculptures. Well, they on. have that whole woodsman section where mm-hmm. all the masons and the woodsmen are buried. The Riverside Cemetery is actually the oldest operating cemetery in the Denver metropolitan Because people area. are still being buried there. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Is this and still it's open also to the just, public? Yeah, you can go there. It I closes think... at 5 o'clock. But it's still just the oldest cemetery in existence, I think, too. Like, So even if they... They are still burying people there, as far as I know. But even if they aren't, like it's still the oldest like cemetery land in Denver. Like I see. Okay. That you can go and it's visit. It's the oldest yeah. either and way. And that people are... So I don't know what the, like what operating means. Like, Does that mean that people have to be buried there for it to be an operating cemetery? Because or like it's in, open and you can go visit because it? Because that one in Erie, which was open, but isn't anymore, I guess, apparently. But I don't know if you call it operating because it didn't have like... I don't think it had like a caretaker or anything. So if it, it may not be like burying new people maybe it's just even i don't know but don't either know. way riverside's the oldest one because okay. as i've already you know spoiled for y'all city or this cemetery doesn't last very long it becomes well it's a, park. Yeah. it's a park yeah it's a park now it's a park now guys spoilies <laughs> all right so um yeah so rich people liked riverside cemetery all the poor people <laughs> We're stuck with the Mount Prospect Cemetery. The Boneyard. The old Boneyard. So this place, Mount Prospect, wasn't really being well cared for. So in addition to like it just being mostly poor people and all the silly nicknames, the undertaker who was there, who I guess had just claimed it after General Larimer went back to Kansas, because you could just claim things. So he said, this is my cemetery <laughs> now. And he was an aspiring undertaker. So I don't even know what that means. But he just wanted to be burying dead bodies. And so he was like, it's That's mine now. Kind of creepy. Yeah. He was like, a, oh, I can't remember what he was. He, he did something else. And he was just an aspiring undertaker. So he was a hobbyist. 
(laughs) (laughs) I don't have a garden of flowers. I have a garden of bones. Of bones. So he was taking care of the cemetery, but he wasn't really taking care of it very well. And so everything had kind of fallen into disrepair. Tombstones had fallen over. Graves were vandalized. There were prairie dogs like burrowing, burrowing into the ground. And even cattle were just like hanging out, grazing on the grass in between the graves. <laughs> so this is Larimer's like city cemetery he was all excited about. So then they finally realized that it was actually owned by the Arapaho Indians. And it wasn't just some guys that he could claim. And so the federal government claimed it because they had a treaty with the Arapaho Indians. And so they got things from the Arapaho Indians. Okay. And I'm putting treaty in air quotes because <laughs> what really is, like, is, that, is this a fair agreement? Is this, like, really, like, yeah. they're treating the Arapaho Indians? I guess we won't commit genocide if you give us all of your things. <laughs> That's a treaty. <laughs> I'm writing this document that says you give us all your land. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You get nothing for it. And I'm saying that that's what happened. But I don't actually know anything about that particular treaty. So that's just more wild speculation <laughs> on FDF Family What's Storytime. What we're good at. We are good at it. But regardless, the feds are like, this is actually our cemetery. Weird, creepy undertaker. You can't do this anymore. And then they sold it back to the city. And so that was when the city actually owned it instead of weird, creepy people. Okay. 18, 1872. <laughs> City of Denver owned the cemetery and changed the name to City Cemetery. So we started 1858. So it took about, what is that, 14 years of, yeah. of creepy people marrying What's or that? marrying? No, burying murderers <laughs> and things there. So over the years, there had been separate areas kind of formed for specific groups or religions or ethnicities. And some of those areas actually were pretty well maintained, but others were not. So the Hebrew burial ground the area where the Jewish population was mostly buried, was sold to the Hebrew, Hebrew Burial Society. And they actually maintained it pretty nicely all the way through till 1923. And then they moved all those bodies out of there and it became what is now Congress Park. So that's another park in the area. The Roman Catholic portion of the cemetery was sold to the Catholic Archdiocese of Denver. And that area was named Mount Calvary. And they maintained Mount Calvary until 1950, when the land was given back to the city, and that was when the Denver Botanic Bar- Gardens was built on that site. So all of the graves that were in Mount Calvary were removed to another cemetery in 1950. So we have Congress Park, Denver Botanic Gardens, bodies were moved out, things were generally well taken Why care of. Why did should've... they choose to move the bodies? Who chose to move the bodies? Was it, a, was it ordered that they had, like, did the... The people that own that section decide they wanted to move the bodies or was For those this... two sections? Because yeah. um, they had the bodies still there until into the 1900s. I don't know who cho- chose to move them. It's kind of just you should move them before you build something <laughs> on top was kind of. But I mean, it was the people that owned it. that, Or the people who were then owning the land once they sold it again. So like yeah. the Hebrew Burial Society I don't know if they like sold the land back to Denver. Like obviously Denver owns the land now if it's Congress Park. Yeah. But so somehow in that that deal they decided 
Okay. We need to move all these bodies so that we can make it apart. And do you know where they were moved to? So I know that the Mount Calvary bodies under Denver Botanic Gardens were moved to the Mount Olivet oh, it's, Cemetery. it's right there. Okay, so oh. I don't actually know where the Hebrew Burial Society moved their bodies to. So or the Mount or Olivet Congress. is That's where... That's where Uncle Fez is buried, right? Yeah. And like I know where some of the bodies were moved at various different points in the history, but I don't know entirely where the the, the Jewish section or the Hebrew Burial Ground, where those bodies were moved to. And I don't really know why. Like, I don't know. Who. I just was curious if there was a reason, like if there, if it was they were forced to or. It's because Denver's always chosen development. I was just curious. Over yeah. their people. I'm so yeah. tired of watching so wait, apartments go, go Your mom's up. talking about why they moved the yeah, bodies. So you're saying they should have just built the park over no, the bodies? No, I'm just saying, saying they that they should have just left it. <laughs> I was going to say they should have just left it, at least for the Botanic Gardens. <laughs> Those plants would be thriving. Maybe. <laughs> but those are just a couple sections. The area that I know the most about is the remaining city cemeteries. So those were a couple sections that were well-maintained. So that was like the se- the Hebrew section, the Roman Catholic section. Different people ended up owning those sections, and they ended up maintaining them. And then some of the like families and different... like ethnic groups or religious groups or social groups or whatever, chose to maintain certain areas of city cemetery. But for the most part, city cemetery was just falling into worse and worse disrepair while these other areas were being sold to other people. Okay. So that's when some people started to lobby for the cemetery to become a park because it was just an eyesore and it was just gross or whatever. So in 1890, Congress approved that it's going to become a park. And at that point in time, families were given 90 days to move their loved ones out of the park. So in this case, Salem, I think it was Congress and the city of Denver who owned this land saying, you need to move these bodies out of this park um, so that we can create. That's pretty shitty. Out of the cemetery yeah. so that we can create Can a park. cities yeah. do that anymore? Can they do that? I don't, I mean, I that's know. pretty fucking horrible to just be like. <laughs> this cemetery sucks to look at. You have two months to days. get the bodies out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know that in the Chinese area of the cemetery, the, a local Chinese population removed all of their bodies and had them sent to their homeland in China. Oh. And then some families wow, that's chose. A long way. I know. So I don't know where they how they funded that. Huh. But some families did choose to move their loved ones. Many of them moved them to Riverside Cemetery. Um, but then because there were so many criminals and poor people and like vagrants who were buried in there. There were a lot of bodies that remained after that 90 days. So that was when the city hired E.P. McGovern, who was an undertaker, to remove all the remaining bodies and relocate them to Riverside Cemetery. So that was the city funding that in order to build the park. And so I'm assuming with the other ones, like Botanic Gardens and others, that it's just kind of the process. If you're going to build something, you should move all the bodies bodies. somewhere else before you build something. Like it's a respect sort of thing. Well, yeah. So I don't know if it was, you know, pushed by the people who owned the property and wanted to build something on it or pushed by the people who had loved ones there. But for the most part, all the areas that were once Mount Prospect Cemetery, when they became anything else, people were like, hey, we should move these bodies. They maybe mm-hmm. shouldn't be here when we make it something else. Okay. So for McGovern, who was the undertaker in City Cemetery... Um, so at this time, those other areas were still in operation as cemeteries, but McGovern was coming in to move the ones that were in the existing Denver City Cemetery. And he was paid $1.90 per body, which is about $55 in today's money. I say, that's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> kind of is. But I mean, like, you're actually digging up 
a casket and moving it to another cemetery is yeah, $55 and how many of those had caskets? Like, he could have just been digging up bones also. Well, like. probably. So he thought that he could save a lot of money by using child-sized caskets instead of adult-sized. But he had to dismember or disfigure the bodies to fit them in the child-sized caskets. Oh, my gosh. Also, he thought, hey, if I'm getting a buck ninety per body, if I can cut up this body and spread it into three different caskets, then I can claim that I have three different bodies. And suddenly I can get $5.70 for three bodies instead of $1.90 for one. So he was cutting up lots of bodies to try and save as much money and get as much money as possible. So in addition to all this desecration of the human remains, there were workers who were stealing valuables from the graves as they were doing this. And so the cemetery was basically a shit show. Yeah. And this is when some of the first reports of ghostly activity in the area started to come up mm. by the residents around. But anyway, so McGovern's kind of a douche, and he um, made a giant mess of the cemetery. There were body parts and pieces of clothing, shrouds, and caskets everywhere. So an article in the Denver Republic newspaper said... The line of desecrated graves at the southern boundary of the cemetery sickened and horrified everybody by the appearance they presented. Around their edges were piled broken coffins, rent and tattered shrouds, and fragments of clothing that had been torn from the dead bodies. All were trampled into the ground by the footsteps of the grave diggers like rejected junk. It's so sad. It really is. I mean, even if those people were criminals or vagrants or paupers and didn't have families, this just still very disrespectful yeah it really is it's really sad and so and it and kind of gross and kind of scary and kind of mm-hmm. lots of different things yeah so as people started to report the the mess of a state that the cemetery was in they launched an investigation they fired what's his butt mcgovern because he was sucky yeah <laughs> um but they still had all these bodies to be removed and the cemetery was left in shambles after mcgovern left with many holes of graves still exposed So what the city decided to do was to just clear away everything that was on the surface, fill in all those holes and like put shrubs sometimes in the existing holes of graves to like pretty this park up. And then the park was done. They had a beautiful park in 1907. (laughs) Wait, but were there still bodies? Good job, Denver. Yes. So Denver. So that's why like those other other areas of the cemetery that were maintained by other people that later in the years they moved the bodies. They did it successfully. So the Mount Calvary Cemetery moved all their bodies out. The Congress Park moved all their bodies out. But City Cemetery, when they failed the first time, they were like, no big. Just smooth this over and we're moving on. <laughs> and we're good. But I, Out of sight, out of mind. Yep. I don't want to jump the gun. But I thought that they f- have found bodies in the Botanic Gardens when they... They have. So that means that Mount Calvary didn't do well, they, a very good job. They like made a mistake, I guess. But like for the most part, <laughs> they tried. They tried for the most than this part. McGovern dick. Right. They like, did a much for better job. For the most job. part, they were like, hey, we're going to build the Botanic Gardens. We need to get all the bodies out of here. They we need to move them few. somewhere else and be super respectful and work with the local, you know, um, like uh, coroner and, and, and funeral homes and stuff and, and move this. And that's. That was their intent, and that's what they mostly did. <laughs> they moved the body. Yeah. 
Um, but I mean, Denver, city of Denver in 1893 or 1894 just said, fuck it. And just like filled in all the holes and didn't even try. They knew goddamn well what they were leaving yeah. behind. <laughs> Put a bush there. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just fill up that bush with some greenery. It's fine. So then um, it was still kind of a giant mess. But then the widow of Walter Scott Cheeseman donated $100,000 for the new pavilion to be built. So they said, here's Cheeseman Park in honor of this dude. I'm going to be honest. I didn't research who this dude is because I don't really care. <laughs> All he is is a person who had a wife and $100,000. And I don't really give yeah. a shit about him. So that's why it's called Cheeseman Park. And she like pushed to have it all finished and completed. So in 1907, it was completed. So over the years since then, lots of bones and even sometimes complete bodies have been found during construction and maintenance in the park. So in October of 2010, they found four preserved bodies during some irrigation work that they were doing in the park. Um, and then also, even though all the bodies were supposed to be moved from Mount Calvary in for, where the Denver Botanic Gardens is, they were constructing the new underground parking garage in 2008 that's out there. And at that point in time, they found a grave that was still underground. And they they actually did a really nice job before they built that. They said, hey, we know this used to be a cemetery. So before we go and start digging underground to put, because like two levels of the garage are underground. They said, before we do this, we need to like have a plan so they met with who what do you call undertakers these days are they undertakers i think so um i don't know they met with like undertaker people from morticians maybe i don't i don't remember what they called them but they met with like people and said what do we do like professionals experienced with graves <laughs> the opposite of ep mcgovern <laughs> yes and they said what do we do if we come across someone so they were prepared and so the second they came across the break the grave they all like froze and shut down and they had people come in and carefully remove those remains and take them somewhere else and it was just one grave it was just one grave that was reported that they found okay so they missed one there might be others under there because Denver Botanic Gardens, like how deep did they dig to to build some of those structures? Yeah. They do have buildings there. So maybe in those areas they they dug. Um, but maybe in some of the areas where they plant on the surface, like maybe they, they didn't dig as deep. Also, as they were, it was kind of like a sequential thing, like they were moving the bodies and then building. So they might have had something where like, oh, we found another one over here, like after they started construction and started building and then they moved it. But the idea was that they were more respectful and they moved them all in 1950. Okay. So that's the thought anyway. So it is estimated that about 2,000 corpses still exist under the grounds of Cheeseman Park today. Metal. That's not including like Botanic Gardens and Congress Park, I believe. It's just under Cheeseman Park. Fucking Interesting. Gnarly. Yeah, pretty messed up. Yeah. I was literally dancing on graves when I was rehearsing hair there. Yeah. Yeah. Dancing on people's bodies. That is where our break is. Cool. That's the history of the park. And when we get back, we'll talk about the haunting. The spooky. The park. I'm so excited. Hi, everyone. So we're back. Uh, just want to take a moment to uh, say a few words about a friend. Uh, we'd like to dedicate this episode to Rick, Ricky, Greg. Uh, <laughs> he's a good friend of ours that passed away recently from cancer. And uh, he meant a lot to me. He meant a, a lot to my husband, was his best friend um, since high school. 
just miss you, Rick. He was such a good guy, and he had um, such an enthusiasm for everything, for every single thing that he did. And my husband and I were really fortunate to meet him through George and spend some time with him. And he was just like, just always smiling and always excited about some new thing to tell us about or talk about or get excited about or... Yeah, he did a lot of things. He had a lot of interests, a lot of hobbies, and he jumped into everything like 100% and uh, just really, yeah, took a hold of life, lived life to the fullest. I read something, um, try to be the things that you see in the people that you miss or something like that. So that is what I'm going to try to be is live life a little bit more like Rick did. A little bit, like, with a little bit more enthusiasm and optimism Mm -hmm. and and excitement. To Rick. To Rick. Yeah, let's let's do a toast. To Rick. We miss you, Rick. We should have some of his whiskey. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, then, do we want to get back into your story? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I forgot I was telling a story here. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So we're going to talk about... The hauntings of Cheeseman Park. So we now know the history. There's a lot of dead bodies there, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes when there's dead bodies, there's also ghosts. <laughs> so as I mentioned earlier, some of the earliest reportings of paranormal activity was actually when they first started relocating the bodies. So when there was the desecration of the graves and there was grave robbing and there was dismemberment and just lots of really messed up stuff. Then some of the uh, residents in the area started to like report some paranormal activity. So the first like real sighting was actually a workman who was stealing from a grave, (laughs) like you do, (laughs) um, when he felt a cold, ice cold pressure on his shoulders. So he immediately threw down his stolen brass, thought it was the ghost of the people he was stealing from and ran from the cemetery. So that was one of the first ghostly sightings. But in general, the residents who lived along the edges of the cemetery just noticed weird, odd activity. They said that they saw sad and confused-looking figures who would knock on their doors and windows. So they believed that it was the spirits being disturbed by the desecration of their graves, kind of wandering, confused, like, what's going on? Oh, there were so sad. Yeah. I know. It's really, it's really <laughs> sad. There Help. were many reports of disembodied moaning, Anguished crying and whispers coming from the open graves in the cemetery. So it sounds like there was no paranormal activity when people were laid to rest, even if they were thrown into a grave with their murderer. Like, they're, <laughs> you know, they were laid to rest and, and our life here on Earth went on. But then once the desecration of the body started, then they were like disrupted in their rest. Uh-huh. And potentially. Makes sense. So today... It's very common for people to report a variety of odd feelings when they're in the park. A lot of people feel an inexplicable dread or sadness. And then some people report some of the similar things to what the original residents had reported, like hearing whispering or moaning. Um, there have been sightings of children playing who disappear as you get closer. Hmm. Lots of people have reported strange mists or shadowy figures. A lot of people say they see outlines of tombstones or the graves themselves, like in the moonlight. 
And then um, some people say that they've seen a, a woman singing to herself, and she also report or disappears as you get closer, like the children. Sorry, guys, I've just been wandering around Cheeseman Park. <laughs> and I, you. <laughs> I was going to say that's just me rehearsing uh, during the shows that I had to rehearse there. <laughs> Did you also disappear as people got closer to you? Yeah. I'm practicing. I have anxiety. <laughs> I have anxiety. <laughs> Um, so one interesting thing that some people have reported is a strange, sen- strange sensation. That's a hard thing to say. <laughs> strange sensation of <laughs> not being able to stand up after they lay down in the grass for a short time. They'll feel the weight on them and like they're unable to stand up. So my dad and I were speculating that maybe this was like the weight of the graves of like you're buried in a grave underground and it's like the weight of the grave on you and so mm-hmm. you're experiencing what those people who are buried there are experiencing hmm. wild speculation <laughs> um which a lot of this might be <laughs> anyway <laughs> but generally people just see spirits wandering confused at the disruption of their resting place who knows one other thing that's really common that a lot of people report is walking through cold spots or like riding their bike through cold spots so like significant drops in temperature in the park okay So those are some of the common things that people have reported. There are a few specific stories. This is an additional source I didn't cite initially that it's the Rocky Mountain Paranormal Society, I believe, just accepted stories from people. So on their website, they have a few stories from people of their own personal experiences. So a few of these stories are from there. So the first story is the story of Slackjaw. That was the name that they, they, the people who saw him gave him. So this was two men walking through the park after dark. A lot of people cut through the park to get from the local King Supers, which is a grocery store, like to the apartments. There's a lot of apartments in the area. So people walk through the park as just a a transportation, like that's a cut through. So people were walking through the park after dark. The two men were approached by a man in a hospital gown who asked to bum a cigarette I don't know if he said bum, but he said he wanted a cigarette. <laughs> bum seems like very modern language. I don't know. Um, he then said, asked the two men, have you seen them? That's my my voice. <laughs> That's great. When the men asked who, like, who he was talking about, like, who? Have we seen who? He said, the men who did this to me. Oh, I like that voice. It's pretty funny. <laughs> and he lifted the sleeve of his hospital gown to show some deep stab wounds. And so he told the men that he was going to get the men who stabbed him. He said, they stabbed me 15 times and I'm going to get him. And he said, you you guys watch out for him. I don't know if he talked like that. Watch out for him. And then he wandered <laughs> away. That's kind of weird. Uh, so that's one yeah. story. Is it a ghost? That's the question in all of because this, Because this just sounds like a good chunk of the encounters that I've had working in downtown Denver. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we don't know. So that's the question. I guess <laughs> Can I be- share it? Somebody stabbed me. Somebody. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Somebody in Maine yesterday morning before I left, I stopped at a gas station in Portland. Kyle filled up the rental truck. I was having a cigarette before I had to spend nine hours traveling around in various airports. And this guy was like babbling nonsense. And the only thing that I heard him say clearly was, I'm Ted Nugent. And I was like, That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, the world will never know. For whatever reason, they really felt like he was a ghostly spirit. I'm not sure if he faded away as he walked away or what it was. Where's Denver Health in comparison to Cheeseman Park? Yeah, that sounds like something. It's actually quite a ways because it's all the way over on Eighth and Spear, and Cheeseman is like 13th, in between 13th and 11th, and like 10th. 
So it's actually pretty far away. <laughs> there is also, and I didn't get into this in the history of the area because there wasn't a lot of information, but I guess there was an area of the cemetery that had like a hospital at one point in time. Oh. So maybe that's where the hospital gown came in. Was it a vintage hospital gown or was yeah. it like a paper one that we have nowadays? I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of details missing, but these people felt that they had an experience with a person that they called Slackjaw. Hmm. Interesting. So, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, no, it's spooky either way, honestly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, right. So there's another time that two people were cutting through the park after dark and they heard a voice say, what are you doing here? Leave me in thy peace. <laughs> and they looked around for someone and then heard the same voice say, what are you doing here? Leave me in thy peace. And so they thought that the language and the way it was phrased was interesting. They thought it was maybe coming from a tree nearby and so they kind of followed that voice and they couldn't find anyone in the tree, up in the tree, around the tree, hiding in the tree. They couldn't find anywhere that that voice would have come from. Huh. That was just fearless uh, practicing one of their Shakespeare shows. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But they tried to track it down and it was after dark in the park. So who knows? People weren't supposed to be there anyway, probably. No. The, no. Well, the park closes at 11 technically, which I think oh, is okay. weird because it gets dark at like nine yeah. in the summer so i'm not but sure people maybe walk through it to get from yeah. one place i walked to another. through it after it was closed one night to get back to a friend's place yeah. at one point in time so people walk through There's it all the a time. lot of bike paths and stuff through mm -hmm. there too yeah but there shouldn't have been anyone rehearsing shakespeare <laughs> at, that time. at midnight in the park so one security guard at denver botanic garden shared a variety of paranormal events that they had experienced and Ooh. so this is over the mount calvary cemetery where theoretically the bodies were actually maintained well and moved respectfully um, but right along the edge of the cheeseman park area and so there's actually a whole list of this person's experiences, but I picked out some of the most interesting ones to share. Um, this person said that they saw mists of human forms. So that's a common thing. They heard screaming in their ear, and then they heard a woman screaming inside and out of various buildings on the grounds. They saw a chair roll across the room. They witnessed two different people being grabbed right in front of them. Weird. They have a videotape from the Warring House, which is an old mansion that was built on the grounds. And the videotape is of a boy peeking out from behind a file cabinet in a secret staircase in the building. So it's all office, like offices now, mm -hmm. but it was an old building on the ground and there's a secret staircase and they saw a boy peeking out from behind a filing cabinet. Creepy. Then they had this experience, which sounds really interesting. They saw the white figment of a boy that allowed them to touch him. They put their hands through him. They saw the color of their hands change slightly. They could still kind of feel something. Um, there was no temperature change, but they, they could visually see their hands kind of change colors. They put them through this boy. Weird. Yeah. Ooh. Creepy. Yeah. yeah. One more story. Well, a couple more, I guess, technically, but one more official story that I will share is there a person was walking along a street that's just north of the park. So um, Gilpin goes on the north side of 13th. 13th is the edge of the street. And they were walking at about 14th in Gilpin. So one block outside of the park. Um, and they, they were right outside a Methodist church. And this person had a cigarette, but they didn't have a lighter or match. And they wanted to smoke the cigarette. So they approached a man who was on the corner of 14th and Gilpin. And they asked for a light. And the man just looked at this person and walked away. And he was dressed a little weird, had a long, dark coat on, had an odd hat, and had a square-shaped beard. 
but it's 14th and Gilpin in Denver. So (laughs) the man didn't really think much of it. So then at a later date, they were inside that Methodist church for what, for some reason. And they saw a picture of the exact man that they had interacted with outside. Oh, that's weird. And the pastor of the church informed them that he was the founder of the church. The church was founded around 1900. And so 1900, the, you know, maybe he would have been buried in a part of the cemetery. That was when they had already been going through to turn it into a park. But maybe he had lived nearby and died nearby. Maybe he was buried in one of the cemetery sections that were still operating once they were turning it into a park. You know, who yeah. really knows? But that was a creepy experience for that. Yeah, man. that's huh. interesting. Yeah. So those are some of the specific stories that I have to share on the ghosts. However, there are a variety of different reports of just some of the general, like seeing figures, the the feelings of cold spots. And last night, Salem and I went with our dad down to Cheeseman Park to have our own experience. Yeah. So it was really interesting. So we went when it was about eight o'clock or so. And so it was still light out. And so when we got there, you know, it's Saturday night in summer in Denver when you're not really allowed to do anything else because of a global pandemic. So there were tons of people there. So it was really interesting to just see, to know what this land once was and see all these people running, laughing, playing, throwing frisbee, playing cornhole on the site. Um, You do see a a variety of people in this area. I Mm -hmm. mean, there were people who were you know, had full like picnic setups and were, you know, eating delicious food. And then there were people who were certainly experiencing um, some sort of, of drug use or mental health needs, uh-huh. possibly people experiencing homelessness, walking through the park. And you just kind of see all this happening in one space. It's interesting the way it all just kind of is there together, yeah. not really interacting. I mean, people really kind of stayed, you know, in their own groups. I think it was funny. There was two guys that were sitting there when we went up to the pavilion and sat on the park bench, those two guys to the right of us that were having kind mm-hmm. of a loud conversation. A couple of the things that they said made it sound like they had just like been there separately and started talking. And so like, I don't think they were there together. Oh, I think they were, but I think they were both um, inebriated, <laughs> uh, you know, on, on some sort of a substance, but they were having a, I mean, a, they were just having a conversation. They were just kind of being loud, but I just, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting that some people even just come there and just start talking to other people. And I mean, so I work downtown and a lot of us have worked downtown and experienced it. And we know that Denver and any city really is that kind of juxtaposition of different types of people. Mm -hmm. And you can see someone in a beaded wedding gown taking really expensive pictures right across the street from a person experiencing homelessness who Mm -hmm. hasn't eaten in three days. Like, we know Mm -hmm. this. We know that addiction is so related to homelessness. We know that there's going to be people who are on drugs and they're gonna be walking right down the street and Mm -hmm. there have been times in denver where people on drugs have assaulted people like do you remember that on 16th street mall like a couple of years ago yeah while i was working at the forever 21 there Mm -hmm. it was like right outside my work (laughs) right where people work in office buildings Mm -hmm. all day and but that's a very isolated incident for the Mm -hmm. most part you know you can give money if you want or or you know help if you want but also you just you live your life they live theirs and you kind of intersect and that's kind of what it is and so that's what Cheeseman Park was last night it was just this intersection of yeah. of people enjoying themselves people like us being a little creepy and walking around and ghost hunting <laughs> um and maybe some people were just as creeped out by us as they were by the people they on drugs yeah. there were some people who were obviously going to be camping there for the night 
they're not supposed to, but they were. Um, you know, lots of just people living their lives. But then underneath all of this, yeah, are two thousand dead bodies. Dead bodies. <laughs> not just two thousand so just... dead bodies, but a lot of bodies that were desecrated yeah. and and uh dismembered disrespected yeah. and that stuff, yeah. So it's just interesting to kind of and and I think you feel a bit of a vibe there. Yeah. And a part of it is the energy of all these different people living their lives and, and these different experiences kind of coming together in this space. And then part of it is the energy potentially of people who aren't there anymore, who mm-hmm. are there underground. So it it's interesting. So we got there in the light and you could kind of feel this vibe and experience this. And then mm-hmm. we stayed as it got dark. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to walk along the edge of the park where it was a little less busy and populated we did try to lay down under a tree (laughs) and see if we were able to get back up again kelly and i did salem and i grandpa didn't didn't do that (laughs) um and spoiler alert we did get back up again (laughs) (laughs) yeah i didn't know they're there to this day (laughs) we're recording from there we were pretty um we were pretty close to the road, and I yeah. don't know if that was a distraction. And also, we just both kept feeling like we were getting crawled on by bugs. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to hear about being crawled on by bugs. Okay. Because I just spent the last nine days in Maine by a lake. And oh, it sounds poor. quite lovely. Okay. It was, there were so many bugs. So I just oh, spent- So many creepy bugs. So, I mean, no, it was awesome, and I don't, I'm not complaining, but like- Maine is really humid and gross, and there's a lot of really creepy bugs. And then I was by a lake, so there's so many mosquitoes. I'm, like, covered in bites. I don't want to hear about bugs. There okay. are dead bodies under Cheeseman Park being crawled on by bugs right now. Ugh. For all eternity. all eternity. The worms crawl out. The worms play pinnacle on your snout. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> Please play that at my and wedding. <laughs> Do you want me to play the video or the audio now of um, when we were laying in the grass? Oh, that was when we were laying in the grass? That first one. Oh, okay. yeah, so, that would be perfect. While Kelly and I were laying in the grass, we didn't feel the pressure or the weight like they had said, but I went ahead and turned on my... So this is just my recorder on my phone. It's nothing fancy. Um, and within... I'm just going to play it from the beginning because it's within the first 25 seconds that there is something odd. I don't know. I don't know. Well, and to to be the judge before you push play. So it was grandpa, dad, our dad standing Mm -hmm. a few feet away or sitting on a bench. The two of us underneath the tree, some cars on a nearby street and no one else was around. There was no No. other humans. No other humans around. Okay. If we do, we can just get up and abandon this whole endeavor because. That's not fun. Cars are awfully close. But if you think about all the bodies underneath you right now. All those cars weren't there when the bodies. All right. Do you hear it? Do you hear? I heard a second one. I didn't hear the first time. Think about all the bodies underneath. All those cars weren't there when the bodies. Okay, so I don't know if you can hear it. Yeah. Can oh my it? gosh. What it did it like sound a, like to you before like, we say what it sounds like? Well, because you said the first time that you heard two, I heard something. It could have sounded like it could have been a car coming by, but it sounded really close. And the first thing that I heard was just this really breathy, like, 
And then the second I time, I didn't hear that one. There was like a moan. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, kind of like yeah. that. Well, oh and I gosh. had so I was laying, and I had, um, and we were about what uh, two feet away from each other, mm-hmm. three feet away from each other, laying side by side. And I was on my back, and I had the recorder, my phone, laying on my stomach. So for it to be something that close, that sounds like it's close to the, to the microphone, it would have to be me. But you hear me start talking before it right, stops right. Yeah. making noise. Mm-hmm. And the so cars, it's not me. What's interesting is that you do hear the cars. You hear the cars. So like I feel like the other thing that it might be is a different sound of a car or or maybe yeah. a bug around or something. But like the breath of a, like a car moving past. Uh-huh. But you also hear what the cars sound like. Yeah. And even that first one, like even that first one, like it could be a car, but it sounded way breathier. Like it sounded it's just human. weirder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, 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 I'll play it for <gasps> you guys later on a better speaker so you can hear it. And I might, if it doesn't come through, I might like patch in um, a better sample of it so that our listeners can hear it that a little more clear. That might be better just to get them yeah. a chance to hear it a little but better. That, that was the one part of laying on the ground where I was really trying to just imagine mm-hmm. the bodies underneath us and just feel like the kind of layers of where we are laying to where they are laying. Well, and that's and right rest- after you said that there's 2,000 bodies Body, underneath yeah. us and then there's a pause. You were giving and them says, energy. Yeah. I was trying to give them oh, energy in that moment. The rest of the time I was like, I feel bugs. I just mm-hmm. kind of want to get up. Can we just be done with this? But in that moment, I was like, focus. Like, think of all the bodies of the people here. Oh, and that that's when we heard. Yeah. <laughs> So, so that was our first kind of experience. So we did get up because we were like, bugs are lame. And we um, had no issue getting <laughs> yeah, up. I sat up like three times, actually. I like sat up and then well, lay back down. Well, because we had grandma up, like, take oh, pictures bugs. of us, oh. too. So we'll post a picture of us laying on the ground. We'll analyze <laughs> it, see if we see anything yeah. in the background as we yeah. were doing that. But we had no issue getting up. So we jumped right up. And then we were walking along. And as we were walking, we were kind of feeling for cold spots on our skin. We were also holding a thermometer to measure for cold spots. Yeah. And as we were walking down the path, we walked past two gentlemen. Do you want to say kind of what happened? Because you were sure. paying more attention to it. Okay. So we're walking. And I I had an EMF detector. I was kind of walking with that in my hand, trying to be sly the whole time. But I never picked anything up on it. Kelly was carrying one of those ambient air thermometers and so she was monitoring the temperature and it was so i was less sly i looked like an yeah. idiot walking around you have with to, it. it's got like a cord on it and a metal rod that you kind of have to hold out in front of you but anyway <laughs> um what was the temperature around like 75 yeah so when we first <clears throat> turned it on it was getting dark and you could see it kind of dropping from like 80 to about seven in between 75 and 77 so um, we hit this part. We were walking down the path and we hit this part and you could feel the temperature drop like dramatically and you could almost feel like a breeze of cool air and then it would kind of come and go with like be cool and then you keep walking and it get a little warm and then you hit another cool patch. But on the thermometer, the temperature dropped by like eight degrees. Eventually, but first we walked past, past those guys. And- yeah, as the temperature was going down and we were talking about it and debating like maybe where it was coming from or why, there's these two guys sitting in the grass next to the path and they each have their scooters. They look like they'd been sitting there for a little while. They didn't just get there. And as we walk by talking about the temperature, one of the scooters falls over and it like shocks one of the guys so much. He just like busts out laughing. He's like, oh my God, that scooter just fell over. And then as we were walking by, we could hear the other guy talking about how he was like, I secured that. There's no reason it should have just fallen over. And then the temperature continued to drop. Yeah. And that's when it got down to about eight degrees below 
what it was normally. Yeah. And- so we were, we had hit, so as we were walking past, I mean, part of the problem is that the, the temperature thing, like it goes slow. So like when I first opened it up, it had been in my pocket and I turned it on and it said like 80 something. And even though it clearly wasn't 80 something outside at that point, like it took time to get down and then you saw it stabilize at like 77 or so. Most of the time I feel like it was a 77, 76 around. As we were walking past, we were seeing it drop, but it, it goes slow enough. I don't know what the temperature was right when we walked past the scooters. But as we kept walking and we kept feeling the cold on us, it eventually got all the way down to 66. So a full 10 degrees, at least. A full 10 degrees, depending on where you were looking. And then as we later, you know, we kind of walked out of that area and it stabilized, like it jumped back up to 76 and 77 mm-hmm. and actually 77 and 78. And so you could think like, oh, it's getting dark. The sun just went down. Um, Maybe it's just the temperatures dropping. But then after the sun had gone down fully, it went back up after we left that area. Mm -hmm. So full 10 degrees, 10 or 11 degrees lower than it was after we left that area. And maybe that guy's scooter just fell over. I mean, it was on the grass. You know, maybe it just was not as sturdy or stable as he thought it was, but... Right as we were walking by, it was just like the timing couldn't have been any more perfect. Mm -hmm. Whatever it was, it was kind of it was kind of funny. And we were all like trying not to make faces like, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then we kept walking. We uh, passed a really weird area that they had closed off for restoration, but we're not quite sure why, because it was just like this little circle area. It was so weird. With some gnarly trees and weeds and shit in it. It was weird. And it was really like those weird trees that like grow sideways and then up and around. And it was the only trees like that I saw in the entire park. So yeah, it was just kind of bizarre. We took some pictures there and we got some probably bugs, but... Some light anomalies, yeah. but there were a lot of bugs out there. So. And standing right by that restoration area is where we recorded the lowest temperature. The 66 was right by yeah, was that restoration area, at, which was really close to where the scooter fell. So, so that was really interesting. So we stood there for a few minutes. We did, um, we did, did do EVP, another recording where we were like talking, to, but there was nothing on it. You know, Dad was talking about the cold air just kind of settling down into the lower areas, and we were just like, oh, it's dark, you know. But as we walked out of there was when the temperature steadily climbed and it never dropped below 74 again the rest of the night. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. So. And so then we walked and sat on a bench for a little while under some trees. And at that point, it just felt really stifling. Like it felt really like it could have been something to do with the smoke. We have wildfires nearby happening right now underneath those trees getting trapped it could have been the warmer temperature but it just felt like really stifling and yeah. kind of odd heavy and yeah and heavy so we sat for a little bit and we were sitting and talking and then that's when we got so this i was recording. recording and nobody even knew i was recording that's how i like to do evps but we got this weird thing about a minute and 18 seconds in so go screaming down the hallway hey dude hey dude dude listen to this listen to this <laughs> yeah go screaming down the hallway hey, dude, hey, dude, dude. do you hear it it's just like a uh. yeah so grandpa was talking about like the different kind of approaches in ghost hunters and stuff um the excitement you get from and like running down the hallway i got this evidence and then also kind of the next step of that of like trying to help people and mm-hmm. just ghost hunter like stories. do you f- so are were we searching for evidence or we were we searching for an experience or to gain a little bit more knowledge like and we were talking about how we're kind of in the state of like, we're just there to have an experience. Like we're yeah. not there to help anyone, but we're just trying to like open ourselves and 
and have that experience, maybe gain some evidence for ourselves. And yeah. Um, so anyway, that's just in case you're wondering what we were talking about. That's kind of the context of the conversation. And then right before he says something about running down the hallway saying, hey, dude, 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 you can hear this like, Ugh. yeah, <sighs> it's like it's weird. So That's that was so pretty cool, cool, though. So that was our experience. And then nice. while sitting on that bench, I also got a really weird picture that mm-hmm. was very, very hazy. And I took a couple pictures after it that didn't come out as hazy. And so it was just kind of weird. It could have been a bug flying in front of the camera at just the right moment. So it reflect created a reflection or something. But it was but just... But the entire area looked really hazy. Yeah. And when we first looked at it, we were like, whoa, is that like the smoke settling in? But then we took more pictures. And Salem took more pictures after and it did not look like that. Yeah. So I'll post some of the pictures that have weird stuff in them and people can decide for themselves, I guess, if they think it's anything other than a bug. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you can take our experiences like we take those of other ghost hunters out there who are giving us their evidence like you can take them or leave them. Yeah. You have to align them with your own. I think what we do know is that it's a little creepy to think about all the dead bodies underneath <laughs> you playing Frisbee at Cheeseman Park. Yes. <laughs> certainly a sad history of the area. Yeah. yeah. Sad what happened to those bodies and the families of the people who buried there. And, you know, it's kind of a creepy vibe. And I I don't know how other people feel being down there, but it's a little bit of a creepy vibe for whatever reason. I have a fun Cheeseman Park story. Okay. So this was a few years ago, probably like six or seven years ago now. I was with a couple of friends from high school, and I don't want to give them their names because this story contains drug use. So I'll call them R and S. <laughs> so... We had heard, you know, we were like getting spooky. It was probably around this time of year, you know, gearing up for Halloween. After my birthday ends, I'm like, nope, it's fall. Happy Halloween, yes, bitches. <laughs> so we were like, you know, oh, Cheeseman Park's haunted. Let's go. And so we pile into ours shitty Chevrolet blazer and we go and we're just like, we get there. We're like hot box in the car. We're getting so stoned. And the windows on her car were fairly tinted. And so, like, we were sitting in the car, like, reading ghost stories, like, psyching ourselves up. We kept, like, looking out and being like, I don't want to go out there. It looks really spooky because the windows were so tinted. And the way that it just, like, looked with, like, the shadows, it was late. It was after they had closed. Like, we were trespassing. We shouldn't have been there. We were smoking weed. Shouldn't have been doing that. But we, like, spent way too long in the car psyching ourselves out, getting just, like, so scared to even just like leave the car we almost were like we should just go we should just go home like i don't want to do this anymore we should just go home we get out it's like not even scary you know we're like okay like this isn't that bad we end up kind of like walking around just like looking for stuff you know we end up like parking it under a tree and we were smoking more weed we each i think had a blunt and we all were just like going hard we were like in it to win it and so (laughs) We see this group. Well, first we hear this group, this group of drunk college kids walking, you know, cutting through the park after the bar closes to get to their apartments, you know, and they're like so loud and they're like, oh, my God. it was two guys, two girls. And they were just like having a great time walking through the park. And so R looks at S and I and she's like, don't say anything. She's like, you know, shh. And so we're sitting there. And she, I'm not even going to try to do it. She makes the loudest, most authentic sheep noise that I have ever heard come out of a human being. And like the girls were like, oh my God, what was that? And like, they like all started freaking out. And so she does it again. And then like the one, like the guys start freaking out at that point. And they were like, what's going on? And they start like running through the park. 
and S and I can't keep it together. And we just like started laughing. So we gave it away. But we had this group <laughs> of like full grown adults running through Cheeseman Park in the middle of the night one time. No, no spooky shit. Just us being stoned dumbasses <laughs> trespassing in the middle of the night. Yeah, like, it was it was crazy. That's funny. That's, That's awesome. great. That's my fun Cheeseman Park story. Well, cool. cool. That was a good story, Kelly. Is there Thanks. any more to yeah. add? Anybody? Nope. No. No. That's good job. It. I liked Yay. it. Thanks. I had fun last night, too. So you should go out and explore your local haunts and have some fun and yeah. open up your energy to to something, maybe. Send us some of your stories and we might talk about them on one of our podcasts. Ooh, yeah. 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 FFS, the podcast at gmail.com. That's right. You can also message us on Instagram, FFS podcast. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think it's time for us to go to. <laughs> I think it's time for us. I think it's time for. <laughs> <laughs> Things that don't suck. <laughs> Things that don't suck. All right. My thing that doesn't suck was the introduction today into <laughs> things that don't suck. Does that mean I have to keep it in, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Is that really your thing? Yeah. No, that's my thing. That's good. Everybody already knows that I went to Maine, and that's the other thing that doesn't suck. So. Yeah. Yay. I'm glad you had fun. Yeah, it was a good time. Good. My thing that doesn't suck is that I got to sing Led Zeppelin with a band in front of a crowd nice. on yeah. Saturday. And I've yeah. been wanting to sing Led Zeppelin. It was it was with Grandpa's band. That's um, fun. There was no guitar, which is kind of weird. But we rocked it, man. We fucking rocked That's it. That's awesome. Yeah. And fun that you got to sing your music you want, not just whatever dad makes you sing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was great, though. I think we'll get to do it again. I think I did a good enough job that he'll let me do it again. Yay. Yay. That's awesome. My thing that doesn't suck is that after a summer of working every single weekend, I, on like Thursday, turned my do not disturb on my email on for weeknight evenings and weekends. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And I don't think I have any work to do in the upcoming weekends. And awesome. it feels really good. I did get an email right when we were about to start our podcast, and I was very confused. So I have to make sure those settings are correct because I should not <laughs> be getting emails on the weekend. But once I do that, leave me alone, people. Yay. Yay. No, you need your time. It's yeah. important. Yeah. Work-life balance. <laughs> My thing that doesn't suck is that yesterday, mom came and helped me clean my house. Yay! Yay. And I got rid of all the pee clothes from my cat. Poor Nilbog. Poor Nilbog that have been there since December because he died in December. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes you just need a little help. Yep. We got a lot done. It was cool. We and we we're going to get more done. Because now, like I said, we, now we can start looking at like organizing, decorating, Ooh, rearranging furniture if you want. Stuff. Yeah. Putting those carpets yeah, squares down. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot more uh, easy to get motivated to do stuff like that. And <laughs> yeah. now I have space for another cat. No. Yay. <laughs> James <laughs> promised me. <laughs> So I think it's probably time for us to end this. Yeah, I think we can sign off. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody come up with anything? No. Bye. Bye. Have good days and stuff. Noel Beterzain. Beterzain.